If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, talking to the biggest names, covering the biggest stories. She's Rita Cosby. This is the Rita Cosby Show on 77 WABC. Lovely Rita, meet a maid, nothing can come between us. going to come, you guys. I've been saying it would go all the way to the highest court in the land. And in the last few hours, as you heard from our great newsman, Bob Brown, the Biden administration really got slapped down with the justices saying that private employers cannot force their workers to get the vaccine. Will this make people like Joy Reid and others in the very liberal media stop with these silly statements? Take a listen. Because at some point, I feel like people who are willfully unvaccinated, fine, don't get vaccinated. But they need to start to pay a little bit more of the cost of what this is doing to our system. That's outrageous. And we've had callers who've said, oh, yes, health care should cost more or maybe they should be turned around. I think that this is the beginning of the slapdown in the courts regarding vaccinations. And the fact that they said, listen, especially for private employers who have a 100 or more, and you think about just the cost that it has taken. I have a lot of friends who have businesses who've said, gosh, it's costing so much money to be able to enforce this policy at a time right now where we just can't afford to add anything. They're having a hard time keeping staff. And then they're turning away staff by saying, get vaxxed or else. And Senator John Barrasso, Republican, I think had it best. And I can't wait to hear what you think, if you agree, because I absolutely agree that this was a huge victory for civil rights. And that's basically what Senator John Barrasso said. This Supreme Court ruling to me is a big win for the American people and for freedom. And it's a big loss for President Biden and for big government. And he also said that what it did was indicate that the government is totally out of control. It's sort of par for the course with everything that you think the Biden administration has been doing. I mean, we've been talking about voting rights here. We've been talking about climate change. We've been talking about so many of these different policies that they've had. And Senator John Barrasso said that this is a signal to the Biden administration that they got to rein things in. Take a listen. I'm a doctor. I'm pro-vaccine. I'm anti-mandate. To me, the mandate was a massive overreach by the government. And now to know that there are 100 million workers in this country who work for private companies who now are not subject to this mandate, I think that's a good thing for our economy. 
Yeah, and what's your reaction? Are you happy with the decision from the Supreme Court? And do you think it was the right decision to slap it down and say, listen, okay, private employers, you no longer have to force your workers to take the vaccine or fire them. They got to take the jab or they're out of a job. Now, the other thing that did come down from the Supreme Court today was another interesting decision. And this was on health care workers. And I'm not surprised that they ruled actually in favor of the administration on this point because they were receiving these are basically federal health care facilities that receive federal money. So there's sort of strings attached with the federal money. There's more like sort of a connection. Um, it's also health care workers who are sort of right there on the front lines. And Senator John Barrasso said he was sad uh, that it didn't work out right in his mind for health care workers, that he believes both decisions should have gone against the administration. But this is how he said basically for the federal health care workers. In terms of the health care workers, we need all of those people on the job taking care of patients and to know that some of them may get fired as a result of that second ruling because they don't want to get vaccinated, I think that's a mistake. I think I am against all of the mandates. Is that fair that health care workers now have to get the vaccine according to this policy, that they will continue to be forced to get the vaccine or lose their job? Do you feel that that is fair and that they should be held to a different standard than private employees across America. And we're talking again, it was like close to 100 million employees. I mean, it was an enormous amount of the population that would have been affected by employers that have 100 or more employees, again, private companies. And clearly the court said there's a difference between private employment and also healthcare workers. There are more health. It's more frontline. It's more national security. There were all these issues that you could hear in the high court's arguments. Do you agree that this is the right decision, or do you think that healthcare workers should also be able to have a choice? Because again, these were the folks that have been heroes to us throughout this entire pandemic um, and have been just amazing. And for them to now say, okay, well, see you to them, that they have a higher and a different standard than private employees. Is that fair? Well, this is what Jonathan Turley had to say because he said, listen, he expected it to go that way against healthcare workers. And he also said that he expected that it would go against the Biden administration on the private employees. And he said that this is a big blow to Biden and his team. So it wasn't a surprise that the second mandate mm-hmm. was allowed yeah. to go forward. But the first loss is a significant one. The Biden administration has really assembled quite an impressive list of losses in federal court. Uh, and this is one of the biggest ones yet. Yeah, this is one of the biggest ones yet. And this could also lay the groundwork for anything else that they are looking at in terms of mandates. I also want to play, let's play Jen Psaki, because they went to the White House briefing room. And of course, the briefing was just soon after the decision came down. It was almost like within minutes. And listen to circle back Psaki responding when she's asked by a reporter about the SCOTUS decision. My inbox is usually pretty fast, but it cuts up you can get, you give us that reaction to the, uh, the Supreme Court uh, opinions. And uh, on the substance of the matter there, uh, how uh, how much of a blow is this to the administration's plan, pandemic response plan uh, that the employer mandate part of the test, testing or vaccination mandate struck or, or halted, and how will that affect the course of the pandemic? Sure. 
Uh, well, I know there'll be a pre- the statement from the president that should be coming into your inboxes any moment now. Um, but let me uh, let me give you a quick reaction. First, let me start with some good news, uh, news that maybe isn't getting enough attention yet. That's our jobs here, or my job here, I should say. Uh, CMS's requirement for healthcare workers to be vaccinated will save the lives of patients as well as the lives of doctors, nurses, and others uh, who work in healthcare settings. It will cover 17 million healthcare workers at 76,000 medical facilities. The Supreme Court upheld it, and we will enforce that. Uh, the, uh, the, the Supreme Court's decision on the OSHA mandate essentially means that in, the, in this pandemic, it is up to individual employers to determine whether their workplaces will be safe for employees and whether their businesses will be safe for consumers. Uh, so President Biden, you'll see this in his statement, uh, will be calling on and will continue to call on businesses to immediately join those, those who have already stepped up, including one-third of Fortune 100 companies uh, to institute vaccination requirements to protect their workers, customers, and communities. We have to keep working together uh, in order uh, to uh, get this done to save more lives. Boy, is that a long-winded way to say, yeah, we lost on one big one. Here's a little more of her trying to spin it on back, circle back. Um, I would note that there are a couple of um, signs, good signs, in terms of uh, without this um, even in, even in spite of the ruling that we would point to. One is that 57%, according to a Navigator poll of Americans, support vaccine requirements. Uh, according to a Wills Tower Watson's report, a survey of 534 U.S. employers, a majority, 57% of respondents have or will require their employees to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Why? Uh, because nearly uh, because employees want to feel safe in the workplace, uh, because they want to incentivize workers to come back to the workplace, and because they've seen uh, large companies across the country implement this and see how effective it is. And that was Circle Back Saki with her philosophy. And boy, you could tell that at the White House it was like, uh-oh, that was the biggie, especially with private employers. Well, Dan Henninger who is with Wall Street Journal and often on Fox News, had this to say about Joe Biden. He said, listen, he is trying to play off just the personal sentiments versus policy. And he said that the Supreme Court read right through that. Take a listen. We seem to have reached a stage where the president is mainly trying to use the intensity of his emotions and his voice to accomplish significant public policy. And typically, that doesn't work. You need the votes. And to, it really does seem clear that the president, as it seemed to be clear coming out of that <clears throat> meeting with the Democrats today, is losing confidence in the ability of the Democrats to execute his policies. Yeah, he seems like he's losing a lot within not just his party, but with the American public. And he says that a lot of people just feel like he is waffling. Here's a little more of Dan Henninger. I think the American people are simply losing faith in the authority of their political leaders and indeed of their scientific leaders. There is such a degree of confusion surrounding the pandemic and Omicron now that people are tuning out and they're just saying, I will go forward with my life with or without masks, which worked at one point until we were told they didn't work with or without tests, which we can't get access to. And the American people are throwing up their hands. And it is not a particularly good thing when there's that loss of authority, uh, that loss of confidence in public and political leadership. 
And I say bravo to the Supreme Court, especially on the private mandates, because in that case, it was so overreaching. And for suddenly for the government to come and say, "Okay, well, we're going to be able to tell private companies what to do. And again, I have talked about it. I received the vaccination. I got both shots of the Pfizer, but I am not a big believer in this mandates and this my way or the highway approach I've always said is un-American. And I think the Supreme Court wisely made a decision on that. And I think that's a big sign that, first of all, they're weary. They're seeing overreach. They're reading the American public. And I also think that this will make the Biden administration pause on a lot of their requirement policies that they've been trying to institute. And we might see a little bit of a different philosophy, even in different restaurants across the country and venues across the country, because now the highest court in the land has said, you know what, you are overreaching that civil liberties, that individual rights do matter in America. So I say, bravo, bravo, bravo. What do you think, you guys? Are you happy with this decision? Do you think it's the right decision? And do you think it's the right decision that the healthcare workers still have to abide by it and will have to get a vaccine? Again, federal workers, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, we're going to be talking, by the way, in about five minutes or so from now with former Trump aide and current New York GOP gubernatorial candidate Andrew Giuliani. He's going to be joining us to give us his take on the mandates. He is also with an effort to try to oust Alvin Bragg, the very much soft on crime Manhattan DA who is causing a stir not just in New York but across the country. And we're going to be talking with Andrew about all of that and a lot more. Again, he's coming up in just about five minutes or so here on the Rita Cosby Show. What are your thoughts about the mandate right decision? I say bravo, individual rights and American rights matter. This was the right decision by the high court. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norman in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Norm. Your thoughts. I'm sure you are happy. Yes, I'm happy. While I would have liked to have heard the ruling extended to healthcare workers, this is a start. When I heard the ruling this morning on WABC, I began jumping up and down in joy. The first positive thing I've heard from our representatives in two years. And while unfortunately this won't extend to the People's Republic of New York, freedom is coming. Yeah. What did you think? Um, the fact is, you point out that the healthcare workers didn't get it. Were you surprised or did you think I, I sort of thought listening to the high court norm that this mm-hmm. is the way it was going to go? That was just my sense. Right. Well, when I heard I heard uh, Dershowitz this afternoon explain it on the cat's round table. I, I, I mean, he, he explained it. I mean, this is the law. They apparently take a lot of government money. And uh, this is for Medicare and Medicaid, and they take a lot of money, and I don't know. This will go away, too. It's it's a matter of time. Do you believe this is sort of the beginning of the end of uh, mandates, Norm? Yes. How are you going to keep them down on the farm once they've seen Paris? Wow, I love that line. Norm, thank you. I knew you'd be elated, my friend. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Thanks so much, Norm. Let's go to Joe in Monroe, New York. Joe, your reaction. Rita, I love you. You took my wind away. Um, People have a freedom of choice in the United States. And it hasn't been proven that vaccines prevent the coronavirus. And that's all I have to say. No, you're right. And by the way, people people getting 
the, you know, COVID right now. In fact, Omicron, there was a new number, Joe, that I saw today. This was stunning, that of the cases that happened in the first week of January, 98% are Omicron cases. Um, only 1%, you know, was a Delta, which is a good sign because, you know, it's less severe, more contagious, but less severe. But a lot of the people are vaccinated, to your point. So, and even the Supreme Court looked at that. So uh, I think it is sort of the beginning of the end of mandates, Joe. Um, and I think it's a great day for American liberties. Joe, thank you. Love the call. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Real quick, Pete, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. You just had Norman on. Good to hear him. He's very knowledgeable. He's vaxxed, and he fights for the people's rights of the mandate. Uh, my nephew lost a job 27 years with the city of New York building department and uh, over not getting vaxxed, okay? They let him do testing every week. It was going good. He was doing a sputum test and everything, and finally they lowered the boom, and he's out. He's a patriot. He's a patriot. He stood up for what he believes in. He's against abortion, and he feels that uh, it's against his religious beliefs, to be injected with that stuff. And I never heard of a vaccine that just helps you survive an illness. A vaccine prevents an illness. So this is experimental stuff, and we just got to keep our fingers crossed that this government comes to its senses and realizes that it's killing people. Well, I, I agree with you. I say, I say bravo, first of all, for civil rights. They do say, listen, the vaccine decreases the illness. And, and if it does that, then that's great, especially for people with comorbidities. Um, but Pete, um, I think the individual freedoms and people doing it because it's their choice, not because they're forced to, um, I think is really, really important. And I think the Supreme Court said that today, loud and clear. Um, we're going to continue with your calls, everybody. But coming up next, Andrew Giuliani, former Trump aide and current New York GOP gubernatorial candidate. I can't wait to get his take on the vaccine mandates. Also, he is leading the charge also on trying to oust Alvin Bragg. Bravo, the most lenient, soft-on-crime DA in the country who is really soft on criminals and doesn't seem to be focused on the victim. I can't wait to hear the latest on that. Andrew Giuliani, right after the break. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. You're listening to the Rita Cosby Show, and we are talking about the big decision that helps businesses, I think, because now they are no longer required private businesses to force a vaccine mandate on their employees. The high court has ruled. And we're talking about that. And plus, you hear me talking about it on the show quite a bit. Looney Kazuni, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, who seems to sympathize with criminals more than victims. Well, joining us to talk about both of these topics is the current New York GOP gubernatorial candidate and also former Trump aide, Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, great to have you on the show again, my friend. It is so great to be on with you. You know, I first want to get your reaction to the vaccine mandates um, and your thoughts about the fact that now the Supreme Court, no surprise to me, but they said at least for private employers uh, that no longer will they have that mandate in place. No longer will they be required to do that to their employees. Well, it's a relief. It's really something that I, that I was expecting from the Supreme Court, as, as you highlighted before the break. 
with Jonathan Turley as, as he had done. You know, having spent time in the executive branch, uh, it's very interesting how the Biden administration tried to weaponize OSHA, which is the occupational uh, safety and health uh, part of the executive branch. And it was very interesting to see what the Supreme Court specifically said about OSHA, which I think was absolutely dead on, which is that Congress has allowed them to basically have the power for to discuss occupational health, but not for public health. And I think this was very clear what the Supreme Court decided, and I'm very happy they did that. You know, my, my wife works at a, a publicly traded company uh, in real estate, and we were talking about this today, and, and she was just, throughout this entire time, she's been shocked at the, um, at the fact that you would have the government try to take private business and really enforce these unconstitutional mandates on them. She comes, of course, from Lithuania, and, and she remembers her days in the Soviet Union very early on. Certainly her, her mother remembers it a lot better, um, but she, she understands it's a very, very slippery slope. I was very happy to hear what the Supreme Court said today, specifically regarding these companies over 100 employees. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, now I got to get your take on Alvin Bragg, and I call him <laughs> Looney Kazuti Alvin Bragg because this guy, it is so scary, Andrew, and you know very, very well. By the way, um, I was seeing some of the polls that came out, even like right around the holidays. So it was a Siena poll that had you up big time in terms of favorability um, among the GOP candidates. I saw you leading the pack before Zeldin and Astorino. So bravo to you, my friend. Um, Thank you. And I, this, the whole thing gets me so angry. I just want to play a little clip first. This is Alvin Bragg in an interview. And, and it sounds like I, I use it. This is like a, a Clinton-esque answer. The definition <laughs> of is, is, it's, is, this is, what's the definition of a criminal? Take a listen. We've all seen the story of the person who's uh, on their eighth arrest, and people say, well, how'd this happen? How'd that assault happen? Well, there were seven prior times with that person struggling with addiction or mental health. We didn't connect that person to services. This is going to make us safer. It's intuitive. It's common sense. I don't understand uh, the pushback. He doesn't understand the pushback. Um, and now you are making some efforts. I know that you're working also with Guardian Angels founder, our pal Curtis Sliwa, uh, demanding an amendment to the Constitution to try to recall him. Explain that because I think it can't happen fast enough. Well, first off, let's just break down that clip that Alvin Bragg said right there and just think about this for a little bit. So he's defending somebody who has been arrested eight times that in his example, in his theoretical example, has assaulted somebody. What about the victim? What about the potential ninth victim or the tenth victim or the eleventh victim? Uh, to, to me, it's just absolutely absurd, but it really is. I think it's a very, very clear look into how some of these social justice warriors think in so many ways. They don't care about the victim. There's there's no thought about actually making sure that we keep our streets safe. It's only a matter of how do we make sure that there are less people in jail, even if it means dangerous people being out on the streets. Uh, but in terms of what myself and uh, I know dear friends to WABC radio, Curtis Lee, have been pushing – I specifically, and this started with a conversation over the weekend with Curtis and I, and Curtis said, well, what about, what about recall in New York? Why, why don't we have a recall option like they do with the L.A. and, and San Francisco D.A.? Uh, and, and for me, it was very simple. It was like, well, look, you're absolutely right, but Hochul should remove Bragg because I believe he has violated his oath of office. 
And Hochul has the power to do that under Article 8, Section 13B of the New York State Constitution. If anybody wants to look it up, Hochul has the power to remove Alvin Bragg. And I look at it this way, very simply. If, God forbid, you have somebody in Bragg's example that he just gave right there who decides to commit a ninth and then a tenth, and let's say, God forbid, a police officer gets hurt or, God forbid, killed because resisting arrest is now being downgraded to a misdemeanor, which basically means a desk appearance ticket at this point, then the blood of that police officer is on Kathy Hochul's plans, uh, Kathy Hochul's hands, if she chooses not to act. See, I don't see her doing that. And part of it is because it is, of course, an election year, as you know. Um, you know, she's trying to pander to different bases. Um, and I don't see her doing that. So then now you are working right. on a recall. And in fact, I want to play this clip, Andrew, because he was asked about it. Bragg was asked about the efforts that you and Curtis are doing. Um, here's his sort of non-answer. Take a listen. <laughs> Can you address the concerns that uh, Curtis Sliwa and, and, and uh, Rudy Giuliani's son have on uh, issuing, trying to issue a recall, basically after you've been in office for only 10 days? How would you address that? I, I haven't uh, heard uh, what either of those two uh, have said, so no comment. I mean, I was elected by the voters of Manhattan. We're, we're two weeks in. Uh, we plan to deliver uh, safety and justice for all, and we're focused on the mission. So what can you do, Andrew? What, what, if Kathy Hochul doesn't act, what can you do? Well, first off, I'm, su- I'm not surprised that he doesn't know what's going on uh, with a recall out there for him. Right. He certainly seems like somebody who is not plugged in on that. I, I mean, I think right now the-, the thing is we need to get the message out there and continue to do that. You know, this recall petition has over 5,000 signatures right now. I would, it- I would certainly recommend that anybody who's listening go to change.org and put in recall Alvin Bragg. It's up on my social media. I know it's up on Curtis's social media. I think even I saw... The elder Rudy Giuliani uh, posted on his social media. I would recommend that any listener go out there, take a look at that and put that in there, because I really think the state legislature needs to consider putting a ballot referendum up there. So that way, New Yorkers have the option to potentially recall if you have uh, a D.A., for example, like an Alvin Bragg, who is just basically deciding that he is going to play politics. And before you played that clip, Rita, you said something which is 100 percent accurate, but it's so unfortunate of the times that Kathy Hochul will not do it because it's an election year, which means the only thing she's going to think about is her political future. She's not going to think about the actual safety of New Yorkers. You know, one other thing that I think is so important to point out, if anybody actually bored themselves to listen to Kathy Hochul's state of the state speech last week, in those 35 minutes, she did not mention bail reform or cashless bail one time. I think that shows you how unserious she is about understanding how much of a problem crime is, not just in New York City, but all across our great state. That's scary because you're right. It is. And you know, it's scary when he just said, yeah, I've only been here two weeks. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, he's already done this much damage in two weeks. You know, it does. Andrew, so what is the goal for you guys? How many signatures are you hoping to get to, to be able to maybe put that impact on, you know, on the legislature? And I say bravo to you because you and your dad, your whole family have always been such great crime fighters. And it breaks my heart to see, you know, the greatest state in the world. Um, affected by this guy who I think is just bringing us back to the Stone Age in terms of fighting crime. 
Yeah, well, you know, in terms of the signatures, we obviously want to get into the five figures and grow it as much as possible. Uh, but, but you know, when you mention kind of uh, obviously what New York City was in, in the late 90s and the 2000s, I mean, even re- as recently as the first year or two of de Blasio, right, he even understood in the beginning that we're going to appoint Bratton to make sure that we don't mess with crime because I can't get reelected if crime goes back up. And then in his second term, he went as, you know, as crazy as possible on us. But if you think about what Alvin Bragg is doing, Rita, he really is taking the exact opposite approach of the broken windows theory that worked so well in New York in the 90s and 2000s that brought murder down from 2,200 a year to less than 300 a year. And guess what? We are getting the opposite results. And I'm really, really concerned. You know, obviously, you know, murders have gone up four straight years, but I think last year was still at 485. That's not 2,200 like we had in the early 90s in New York City. If Bragg, a couple more years of Bragg, I could see the murder rate spiking above 1,000 again and New York really being untenable when you consider the economic challenges and everything. And I think you're going to see more and more people, whether it be businesses, whether it be families, whether it be tourists. I mean, even my wife is saying, look, we're, we're moving one of two places next year. We're either moving to Albany or we're moving to Florida because I don't want my daughter to have to live through uh, what, what feels like an unsafe place. So, so for my daughter's sake, we got to win this thing. So that way, that way we can save New York because I don't want to continue to see businesses and people flee and tourists take their take their dollars elsewhere. Absolutely. And um, and in our final minute here, real quick, Andrew, um, do you how much do you think crime is going to be a huge issue in the governor's race? And, and what do you see real quick is the difference between you and the other guys in the race? Sure. I think it's the number one issue. It's the issue that we hear uh, wherever you go, whether it's, you know, in Hamilton County, population 4,300 people or whether it's in Kings County, you know, so you hear it all over the place. Um, and, and look, I think the difference, I think Honestly, from a policy perspective, and I've heard Lee speak many times, I've heard Rob speak many times, I know Harry may may be thinking about jumping in on this. I think from a policy perspective, there are a lot of similarities from us. I think the one thing that we've seen, and I'm so happy that you highlighted the Siena polls that have come out, is we are able to pull independents and Democrats. And I don't think that's because we pander to them with different policies. I think it's because the way we're able to get the message out there on issues like school choice and adding charter schools and tax vouchers, I think more and more Democrats are starting to see that, you know what, maybe the teachers union is not necessarily out there for me. Maybe these social justice warriors are not going to help the the neighborhoods that need police officers on their streets the most. And, And I think our message is cutting through uh, probably maybe a little more a little more efficiently than some of my competitors and friends on the Republican side. Well, we are thrilled to have you. I wish you so much luck, and you got to come back on again soon, my friend. It's great to have you here, Andrew Giuliani, and uh, and bravo on, on all fronts. And uh, keep up, get those signatures in, everybody, because we do not want Alvin Bragg. And good luck on the campaign, Andrew. So much. You know, Rita, I always love being on with you. I can't say you are my favorite host on WABC. Yes, you I mean, can. I think, you I, can say I it. I think I'd have some trouble with another Giuliani if I said that. <laughs> your but favorite I'll female. My favorite host. I'll pick a fight with Curtis on this one. You're my second favorite. Yeah, but your favorite female host, right? How about that? 
100% on that one. <laughs> that way your dad won't get mad. <laughs> Love you, my friend. Thanks Thank so you, much. Rita. Great to have you here. Andrew Giuliani, fighting the good fight, everybody. Love it. What do you think also? I love his efforts about trying to recall Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. Bravo to him and Curtis for doing this. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, a San Antonio, Texas police officer jumped into action this morning to save a woman from a burning car. Now, the incident happened just before 3 a.m. after the driver of a car crashed along a street. Now, police said a passenger in the car lost consciousness as the car caught on fire and the female officer heroically pulled the woman from the vehicle while attempting to keep the fire under control with a fire extinguisher. It was very dramatic. The passenger quickly regained consciousness after being pulled from the vehicle, and both the driver and the passenger were amazingly not seriously hurt, thanks to the good and quick thinking of the San Antonio police officer. Bravo to our great men and women in blue who do such amazing work all the time. And, you know, they can sit and bust the cops, bust the bad guys, rather, bust the cons, I should say, and in fact, the repeated cons that we're seeing over and over again in New York and elsewhere. And that's what the cops do. They see them, they bust them, and then it goes before a DA. And we were just talking with Andrew Giuliani about his efforts to recall Alvin Bragg. This is, I call him Looney Kazuni Alvin Bragg, because the guy is nuts. We're at a time where crime is escalating. We've been talking about it, you know, all over the place about some of the carjackings that have taken place, some of the stabbings, some of the robberies that have taken place. And since Alvin Bragg, the new DA, has taken over, there have even been judges. We talked about it last night. There was a judge, Judge Wiener, who came out and had a guy who was before him. He was a repeat offender, 43-year-old, a repeat offender who had already robbed a store, and the judge basically said to him, guess what, you're lucky, you know, you're here now that Alvin Bragg's in town. So now that Alvin Bragg is the new DA, what I normally would have charged you with, especially as a repeat offender, is a felony, you're just going to get a slap on the wrist, you're just going to get a misdemeanor. Thank you to Alvin Bragg. These are the kind of people that he is just giving a green light to, and it's horrible. So I say bravo so much to Andrew Giuliani, who was just here on the show, explaining why he and Curtis are now doing this recall effort, getting a recall petition up on change.org, and also trying to put pressure not only on the state legislature to see if they can do a recall, maybe do a ballot referendum, and do a recall vote of some sort of this guy, who I just think is endangering New York City. I also think he's setting a very dangerous standard across the country, because people say, oh, it's going on in New York City. Maybe it can go on in this other town, too. That's scary. And also trying to put pressure on the current governor, Kathy Hochul, to maybe say, hey, let's remove this guy because she can do something. But as you just heard what I said and Andrew agreed, we do not see her doing anything in an election year. She's going to be afraid to go after somebody like an Alvin Bragg in an election year where she's facing primary herself with Jamani Williams and with other people. So there's a lot of politics here. But I say bravo to Andrew uh, for pushing this big time because this needs to happen. This guy, I think, is so dangerous at a time where crime is skyrocketing across the country. What are your thoughts about all of this? 
And also we talked about the vaccine mandates because the big decision that came down just a few hours ago by the high court basically saying that now private employers who have 100 or more will not be forced to make sure that their employees take the vaccine. Well, here is a little bit of, I call him again, Looney Kazuni, Alvin Bragg, um, in an interview that he did with Eric Sean. Take a listen to this guy and how he tries to like weave and bob when asked questions if he is soft on crime. Would these policies give criminals a green light? No. I mean, it it, it just depends upon your definition of criminal. Uh, And for all too long, we kind of dealt with this othering of, you know, anyone we put in jail is a a criminal. Well, you know what? We're putting in jail homeless people who um, uh, literally, in one example, use one counter to buy food and toothpaste. Uh, Got a sentence of four to eight years. So if, if that's your definition of criminal... Uh, I suggest we need to really reorder ourselves. This guy basically wants almost anyone short of murder to walk. And that is outrageous. And he is the wrong DA at a time where New York City needs to give some tough love to these thugs. It's 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to David in Los Angeles, who is listening on WABCradio.com. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, you played the soundbite of District Attorney Alvin Briggs saying that when somebody's locked up eight times, it's eight missed opportunities to deal with substance abuse and mental health issues. Now, here's the problem with that. Two things. First of all, it doesn't take into account it just might be a desperate, angry, sober criminal that needs to feed his kids and his family and is doing armed robbery out of necessity, even though sober with no mental health issues. That's number one. Secondly, It's great to say that we should help people with mental health issues and substance abuse, but the city, county, and state do not really have the facilities and staff to deal with it in an efficient way. It's not like you're sweeping them off to the Betty Ford Clinic or Promises Malibu for a team of good psychiatrists at detoxification. You basically walk into a doctor's office. She says, here, take 500 milligrams of antidepressants and come back in a month, and that's it. There's no real treatment or no real help. And so it's great in a utopia world, and it does sound good in perfection to deal with it the way he wants to, but it's not there. So it is just all BS because it's not reality. Yeah, it, it, it is crazy. And you hit a great point because at a time right now, um, and in fact, David, I want to play a little clip because we have a brand new podcast that's going to go up tomorrow. We do this weekly podcast called Protecting America, which I love. And um, the person we're interviewing is the former commissioner of not only New York City, but Los Angeles and also Boston, Bill Bratton who definitely knows his stuff about fighting police, you know, fighting crime and protecting police and upholding law enforcement. And I just want to get your reaction because this is an interesting comment that he made. Um, One of the things he said was just what you're hitting on, the point that right now at a time where they're talking about defunding the police and everything, what's happening is a lot of these departments are moving money from police to help criminals. That's, you know, like basically they're taking the funds from, you know, bringing in more officers or cutting back on the number of officers that we're seeing across the country and putting it into sort of the, quote, criminal rehabilitation, that kind of program. And he said, you know, for this to work, if you do want to have an impact like you're talking about and try to help these people, lock them up 
and then give them the services, but don't take it away from police. Add it to what you're doing. You know, it's an interesting thing. And he, he came out swinging about Alvin Bragg. Here he is. This is a little clip, a little preview, everybody, of our interview. What was your reaction when you heard that, okay, almost on day one, basically his first memo was, okay, here are crimes that will no longer be prosecuted, and here are crimes that will be reduced, you know, from felonies to misdemeanors. There was nothing in that memo that I was aware of that he did not talk about in the campaign. And the problem with district attorney campaigns around the country, particularly in the primaries, most people think, well, DAs, it's a personality thing, but the DA is going to protect me. The DA is going to work with the police to put bad guys in jail. Alvin Bragg from the get-go said that's not what he was going to do. He was going to keep them out of jail at all costs. And uh, the public just not did not listen. Uh, Ed Koch had a very famous line when he lost his last election to David Dinkins. Uh, well, the people have spoken. Now they must be punished. Well, uh, in Manhattan, they're going to be punished severely with these policies, as we see every day with these horror stories coming out of the courts of uh, individuals that are not being appropriately charged. He was hiding in plain sight. Uh, and if you notice, there's not too many people embracing his policies at high levels in government. Several of his colleagues in uh, New York City, the other DAs, have backed away from it significantly. That uh, That's not my policy. That's not me. That's him. And uh, even on the national level, I don't think you're going to see a great deal of embrace. So I was interested to watch Al Sharpton's reaction uh, at the uh, Action Network. That uh, You didn't see Sharpton basically really giving... A, a close bear hug. <clears throat> Al recently has been a little more outspoken about the idea of he needing to do something about black crime because he recognizes that they're losing more lives to black criminals than they are to police and to other uh, uh, what they might describe as racist policies. So even Al, I think, is a little concerned that this may give a significant black eye to progressive reform. Very interesting. He thinks it's sort of backfiring like you're seeing in like San Francisco with London Breed and some of these others um, in California. You're a California guy, Dave. Um, is Are people kind of going, OK, these guys are just kind of kooks who are in their own little uh, world, you know? Well, first of all, I love Chief Bratton and I know him and he knows me from his days here in L.A. And he is the person to listen to the adult in the room. Uh, yeah, there's <clears throat> the DA here in Los Angeles. Now, he's been an office logger. Alvin Bragg, Bragg, you guys are just dealing with it now this month. We've been dealing with this type of DA for a year, and they're trying to get the signatures to have a recall campaign. And, yeah, the city's up in arms. The smash and grabs, the crime, the homelessness, it's out of control, and it's going to be getting worse in New York. Now, here's the one thing I want to address yeah, regarding real quick. Yep. when Al- Okay, uh, gee, I said I was campaigning on this, and the people elected, they have spoken. But it's very difficult to beat these George Soros-backed union candidates. The unions, they all vote for the candidate. Everybody involved, it's very tough for your everyday public to overcome that. So it's kind of unfair. It's kind of like that male swimmer that says he's a woman and is beating women. It's like, you know, it's very difficult to overcome that. By the way, that's a good analogy, Dave. I don't, I don't think I'll ever look at Alvin Bragg and swimmers the same. <laughs> Thanks, David. Great call. Great points. We're going to continue with your calls after the break, everybody. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show, 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC.
doing the Lido Shuffle here on the Rita Cosby Show. I wish that Alvin Bragg was shuffling out of New York City because, boy, is he creating a mess. And you just heard from David in California talking about what he's dealing with with the crazy DA there, Gascon. And what do they both have in common? Well, they both were funded by George Soros. They both are light on crime. They both have reduced a number of crimes that would have been prosecuted now are no longer. They've also reduced a number of them from felonies to just mere misdemeanors and basically allowed repeat offenders to say, come on in. And you know what's scary? I was talking to a friend actually this afternoon, and I remember her saying, you know what's going to be bad? is There are going to be people that are going to be outside of New York City and say, hey, well, maybe if I want to commit a crime, let me come into New York City to do it because of this Alvin Bragg guy, because the penalty won't be that severe. I mean, how scary is that? Basically giving a green light because of this crazy guy. Take a listen. Here's a little bit of Alvin Bragg talking about basically defending his crazy policies. We don't we don't want broken windows. We don't we do not want disorder. We've been doing this for years and we've got an uptick in gun violence. We've got an increase in incarceration. We've got domestic violence on the rise. What we're doing right now is not working. Great. So what we're going to do is make it easier for them to commit crimes as opposed to going, you know what, maybe we had a super soft on crime mayor. Maybe now we have a mayor who would be a little tougher, but he can't because he's got a D.A. who has basically hampered him. It doesn't matter how much the cops arrest people. It doesn't matter the green light that the mayor gives. If suddenly this message goes to prosecutors, which it has from day one, and you just heard from Bill Bratton, Of course, he was the commissioner in New York and in Boston and in Los Angeles saying this memo is devastating. By the way, um, I gave you a little snippet. We're going to have much more of our conversation posted tomorrow. We had a really deep, in-depth conversation. There's so much more to it. I learned so much from listening to Commissioner Bratton, who I think is one of the best law enforcement guys out there. And the full podcast called Protecting America is going to go up tomorrow on WABCradio.com in the morning. You definitely want to check it out and hear his perspective. I, it was just eye-opening and, and great, great detail. Um, what are your thoughts about all of this and the future with crazy Alvin Bragg? And do you think maybe a recall effort might work in New York? Because I don't think Kathy Hochul, the governor, is going to do anything about it. But maybe Andrew Giuliani and maybe others can. one 800 848 Let's go to Carlos in Yonkers. Carlos, your thoughts, my friend. Hello. Uh, good evening, Rita. As a law enforcement officer and a person who studies the law and politicians, uh, Arvin Bragg was endorsed by every single major Democrat, from Schumer to Nadler to David Patterson. Kathy Hoko is not stupid. This woman, she will tell her soul to the devil if she hasn't done so already in order to be elected governor this November. So she's not going going to risk being branded a racist by removing Arvin Bragg. You know, that's the same woman that has released thousands of prisoners, you know, from jails and prisons. It's the same woman that legalized the use of hypodermic needles in public. So she's moving to the left of the people who are at the left. She's not going to remove Arvin Bragg because that's going to resuscitate the campaign for for Tisha James, for Jumani Williams, and she'll be branded a racist. So she's not stupid. Above all... How sad is that, though, Carlos? Isn't that sad? 
You know, because and, and as a former law enforcement official with your great background, Carlos, isn't that sad that it all comes down to politics as opposed to something that is right there smacking us in the face? And and what I'm seeing with this guy's policies, there is no way in heck that his policies are going to help New York City. They're going to help the criminals commit more crimes and they're going to give them a free pass. And that means we're all going to be victimized as a result of it because they're not going to get the message. And how sad. Isn't that sad? Well, I still work in law enforcement, Rita. And it's not just the governor, but also Carl Hasty in the assembly and and Andrew Stewart Cousins in the in the Senate. No, you're These right, people. Carlos. You are absolutely right. It's a legislature as well. Great call, my friend. When we come back, Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States, couldn't even answer a basic question on testing. Find out. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, talking to the biggest names, covering the biggest stories. She's Rita Cosby. This is the Rita Cosby Show on 77 WABC. I know your name is Rita. Because your smelling sweet. Well, we all saw Omicron coming. Anybody who has half a brain who knows that viruses always mutate. The great news is on the horizon, and this I thought was fantastic news, it's basically 98.3% of the virus cases that have happened in the country in the first week of January are attributed to Omicron. That is great news. So that means about 1% is Delta. And that's good news because even though we know that Omicron is very contagious, we see how infectious it is, the severity is much lower. And it could also be a sign that it is the beginning of a new mutation, but a much lighter mutation as we're seeing. We're getting towards the tail end of it in places like New York and in other places that got it sooner. Um, But also people are understanding it better. You just heard from our Bob Brown about the Supreme Court deciding that private businesses, according to the Supreme Court, cannot overreach and cannot force their employees to be vaccinated. Um, lots of stuff is coming out. And if you listen to Dr. Mark Siegel, who I think is one of the great medical experts out there, he's like, you know what? Everybody knew that viruses would mutate, that there would be different phases like Omicron and that we needed to beef up our testing. We needed to prepare. We needed to do all of these things. Take a listen. How about buying things in advance of need, the way the prior administration did? We saw Omicron coming. We saw what it did to South Africa. We saw what it did to the United Kingdom. We're always three weeks behind the United Kingdom. They should have bought millions and millions of doses of of. Citrovimab, which is the monoclonal antibody we need. Yeah, they should have done a lot of things. And you continue to see, as I have, these huge lines across the country. It's like, again, who's coming? Are the Beatles coming back to Madison Square Garden? Oh, no, that's just a line for people waiting for tests. And again, if they're not sick before they're in line, they're going to be sick after waiting in line in these freezing temperatures that we're experiencing in so much of the United States. And we all have heard for the last few weeks that the Biden administration is supposed to be getting 500 million tests. 
We've all had it. If somebody questioned me, I'd say, yeah, the Biden administration has been saying 500 million tests. And yet this is absolutely stunning. The vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, was questioned today by, I wouldn't exactly call it a tough interview. It's MSNBC, Craig Melvin. You know, this is not like, you know, uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, hard hitting. It wasn't like, you know, the opposite side. This was a very sort of typically very sympathetic network to Kamala Harris. And she couldn't even answer a basic question about tests, about the timing of the test, the amount of the test. I mean, that's like COVID 101. Take a listen to this exchange. The 500 million tests that have been ordered that are going to be sent to every, every American. Do we know when those are going out? Shortly. Though they're going to go out shortly. Week, they've been or? ordered. They've been ordered. We, I have to look at the current information. I think it's going to be by next week. But soon, absolutely soon. And it is a matter of urgency for us. Should we have done that sooner? We are doing it. But should we have done it sooner? We are doing it. That sounds like somebody who had a grasp on the facts. First of all, it's the question for this administration. They repeatedly get asked. It should be like, hey, they're coming Thursday. They should have come three months ago. You know, it's like it is so incoherent and so lacking of authority and how frightening that these are the people that are in charge of our health care, basically, making sure to see whether we're COVID positive or not. Maybe at some point this year we'll get tests, according to Kamala Harris. And now Craig Melvin, who was the host who was doing the questions, and I'll give him credit, he did ask a little more tough questions than the typical MSNBC host. So he asked her the question that I think everybody would have been asking her about COVID. Why, why aren't we doing better in the fight against COVID? So let me start with saying that people are rightly frustrated with where we are. We're frustrated. We're all frustrated. But I think it's a mistake, and it would be a mistake to suggest that we've not seen great progress. If you think back to March of 2020, we were all wiping down the boxes that we got if we ordered things online. Uh, there was no vaccine. Now we have a vaccine which has proved to be effective, and boosters. Now we have our children back in school. 95% of schools are back open. But we're, we're, we're building back up. We're opening back up. And we are not where we were a year ago. So it was like, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure you're right. I mean, does that sound like somebody who has a grasp on the most deadly virus that we've seen in modern times? So here's a little bit more of the questioning. And it was like, she was like, oh, why am I being grilled? Take a listen to this. At what point does the administration say, you know what, this strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. That was the most incoherent, lame answer I have ever heard a vice president. I want to play that again because she just sounded like it was like a second grader being asked that question. It was like a second grader. You bring a second grader from Zimbabwe in or from New Zealand and say, let's talk about the American Constitution. Ah, da, ah, ba. Here, take a listen again. At what point does the administration say, you know what, this strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies. Six former 
administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. Time to do what to do, and that is every day. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Uh, That, to me, is absolutely frightening. Are you just as alarmed when you see it? When you look at this interview, I was like, oh, my goodness. This is the vice president of the United States who has no clue on when tests are coming, seems to have no sense of assurance, seems to have no self of awareness that there's been a problem out there, doesn't know how to even answer a basic question. And this is after she's been getting grilled and skewered by a lot of people saying that she's inept and she clearly has not even stepped up to the plate. And then Craig Melvin asked her, what's ahead for 2024? Is she going to be on the ticket for 2024? Remember yesterday we talked about there's word that maybe Hillary Clinton might be in that ticket in some shape or form, you know, Uh, running against, you know, maybe Sleepy Joe decides not to run. Who knows? Or maybe he doesn't wake up and doesn't realize he misses it. Who knows? But this is what Kamala Harris had to say in the exchange today. Are we going to uh, to see the same Democratic ticket in 2024? I'm sorry. We are thinking about today. I mean, honestly, I, I, I know why you're asking the question, because this is the part of the punditry and the, right. the gossip around places like Washington, D.C. Let me just tell you something. We're focused on the things in front of us. We're focused on what we need to do. To, to address issues like affordable child care, what we need to do to ensure... So there, there have been that, no conversations that, about 2024? The American people sent us here to do a job. And right now there's a lot of work to be done. And does anybody think that her and Joe Biden are capable of turning this thing around? She can't even answer a question when it was, you know, don't you realize the strategy ain't working? We've had more fatalities from the coronavirus under their administration. We've had testing shortages all over the country. They still can't even tell us when they're coming. And it's like the time to do is what we do every day is what we do while we do it. I mean, I mean, this is just crazy. This is concerning. And to me, I always felt that she was out of touch. She didn't go to the border. There are so many of these issues that she has not been overseeing. But she just can't even do an interview 101. And this is with a softball Interviewer, 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil in the Bronx. Go ahead, Phil, your thoughts about this. Hey, Phil, can you hear me? Hey, Phil? I'm not sure. Hey, Phil, you got to call us back, Phil. Give us a call. Let's go to Mary Beth in Huntington in the meantime. Go ahead, Mary Beth. Hi, Rita. Yes, it is scary that Camilla Harris is vice president, and it's scary that Biden is president. Um, I loved those clips that were played. Um, it seems to me when she was asked about what was being done under the current administration, all her positive answers reflected back on what Trump did. You know, she talked about the vaccine. Yeah, he's the one that put it out there. She talked about 
things that Trump did. Schools are open again. Yeah, they were open again last year in most parts of the country, I believe. Everything that she answered reflected back on Trump, not on what Biden and she are doing. Yeah, you're right. And you know what's interesting? She had no coherent answer. And and by the way, he was she was also asked, like, how many tests? And she couldn't even really remember the number of tests. It was actually Craig Melvin who interjected and said, oh, it's 500 million. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, it's like I like Craig Melvin seemed more qualified to be the vice president than she did. It, it is scary. Mary Beth, thank you. Let's go to Robert in Philadelphia. Robert, your thoughts about Vice President Kamala Harris. How you doing, Rita? I think that I have performed more vice presidential duties over the last year than Kamala Harris has. Um, Phil, you would be a better you. You and I have talked a couple times. You would be a better vice president than Kamala Harris. I have no question about it. <laughs> I thank you. At least I'd care about the country. But it occurs to me that somewhere out there in the heartland. Dan Quayle is laughing his ass off right now. Yeah, you're right. He's like, I'm not the dumb one anymore. You know, <laughs> you know, and it's like the I old potato Dan how... Quayle. Remember? <laughs> right. And, and I don't understand how this woman that helped bail out in 2020 could stand there and give that speech about January 6th. It's an unmitigated disaster. But as I said to you before, their bubble keeps getting smaller. Um, You have a great night, and I look forward to listening to the rest of your show. Thank you, Robert. Love your call. You are terrific. Let's go to Phil in the Bronx who called back. Go ahead, Phil, my friend. Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, hi, Rita. Just technical difficulties before. I'm sorry about that. You know what, Uh, Phil? We love you. We will let it slide. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's good. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, Okay, here's the deal. Uh, And I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. Now, uh, I was married uh, some years ago, and I was married to an African-American woman. She was a brilliant woman. She was a brilliant woman. She had cancer. She passed on. I'm so sorry. Uh, But the point is, I saw in her the the potential for young African-American women, and and they have tremendous potential. They they are really an asset to this country. They they have skills and knowledge, and, and they have a yearning to move forward like that like that you have that now, the lieutenant governor of Virginia, uh, I don't know her last name, Winsome Yeah, Sears, Winsome Sears. Oh, she's amazing. Former military gal, too. Yep. Yeah, she worked her way from the bottom up. Well, you have people, you have these affluent African-American women, these so-called professional women, like, like you know, you have uh, Camilla Harris and you have uh, uh, Mrs. Obama. I mean, these, these people, you know, are, are just, they don't get it. They just don't get it. They, they, they milk the fruit of the tree uh, to get to, to where they are, but they didn't do any work. They didn't sweat. They didn't put the effort into it. Right now in this country, I'd say you have at least tens of thousands of very capable women of color, who, 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 whether they be African-American or Latino, who are quite capable of doing that. The whole thing is, why are we putting these bozos into office? I mean, this woman... If you listen to her, I've heard more intelligent things come out of my, my 11-year-old uh, nephew. Hell of a lot more intelligent things. I agree, Phil. By the way, I agree. And it, and it's an insult. As a woman, you know, it's like you want – I want the smartest person who is running, you know, the White House. And I think that, you know, having women and men, I think it's great to have, you know, you know I've, I've been thrilled to see that there have been female candidates over the years. 
you know, uh, running for president and obviously chosen as, as vice president. The, the idea of mixing up different genders, having different folks at different perspectives. But I don't want a Dumbo. I mean, this woman is really frightening. I mean, to me, it is so scary that someone who's at that level has such poor articulation skills and poor concepts. And you're right. It, it, it just it's embarrassing and it's embarrassing to the world. Thank you, Phil, very much. And great to t- get your call. Um, when we come back, we're going to continue with your thoughts about Kamala Harris. Is she as dumb as she sounds? I sure think so. I think she's so over her head. And I think between her and Biden, boy, are we in trouble. 1-800-848-9222. What a package. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. Speaking of wasting our time, Kamala Harris, I think, is wasting Americans' time. And boy, was she wasting the interviewer's time because it was one of the most dumb responses that I've heard. Um, I want to first play a comment. This is what she said. This is an interview that she did with MSNBC. Again, not exactly the toughest network on Kamala Harris or the administration in general. And they asked her, what about the voting rights bill? Um, what's going on, basically? You know, are you going to be able to to push the Democrats to your side? Remember, Kirsten Cinema and also Manchin, those folks and some others are still not convinced. I don't think most Americans were thrilled about Biden's what I thought was a very horrible and very toxic speech that he did sort of the my way or highway or you're racist or either you agree with us or you're a segregationist, basically, is the way he put it earlier in the week. And this is a question to Kamala Harris about what's going on with the voting rights bill. Can't you get your parties act together? Take a listen. Why has the administration not been able to get Senate Democrats on board? We are not giving up. No, but the question was, why, why has it taken but this But you're long? acting as though it's over. Well, I mean, you've... you've it's been... not over. So it's going to happen by Monday. I'm saying it's not over. And we don't give up. We don't give up and we will not give up. I don't give up. We won't give up. You won't give up. And we all won't give up. It sounded a little bit like this question about... What's going on with coronavirus and the terrible strategy of this administration? Take a listen. At what point does the administration say, you know what, this strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. That is the vice president of the United States. It is time to do what is what we're supposed to do every day because that's what we're supposed to do to be every day. I, I, I mean, it, it was the most incoherent and I think sad answer for someone who is in the number two position in American leadership. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Teddy. 
in Yonkers. Teddy, your thoughts about this? Uh, good evening, Rita. Rita, I have a contrasting viewpoint, one of the few contrasting viewpoints from your callers and from you particularly. And, and Teddy, before, and I will definitely let you go forward. By the way, I love contrasting viewpoints. Um, you know, I, I'm not one of those people who doesn't want to hear from the opposites. I, I love hearing from everybody. So I'm glad you called. Go ahead. That's good to know. I haven't heard you say comment on anything that the senator that was on this week on Channel 7 with uh, George Stephanopoulos, the senator from South Dakota, who said that Trump was wrong, the election was legitimate, there was no fraud involved, and then subsequently the next day, Trump called him one of those uh, derogatory comments, and uh, you don't say anything about it. And also, McCarthy, you heard him speak after what happened on January 6th, condemning Trump, blaming Trump, and McConnell also. It was Trump, they kept on saying, who caused this. And then McCarthy... So, Teddy, I, Teddy, hang on one second. Um, and by the way, I'm familiar with all of this, too. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But let, but there's a lot of things I don't talk about on the show. It's not because, you know, I'm I'm not going to talk about it. There's I didn't talk about, uh, you know, there was a carjacking the other day, you know, that happened. I didn't I didn't talk about it, you know, in New York City. There's there's a, so much going on. There wasn't like any reason not to. I, I, we're talking about Kamala Harris. I'm a little confused where you where, why the tangent. But go ahead. That's my point. You just talk about the Democrats. You don't talk about the Republicans and some of their total out of whack, terrible things that they say and do. Teddy, 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 I absolutely have said things that I have thought were out of line, that I thought were inappropriate. Um, But I also but I also am talking about Kamala Harris right now. And I'm happy to hear your thoughts on that, because that's what I'm talking about. I I mean, listen, Teddy, you may be surprised. I'm an independent. I'm an independent, Teddy. You know, I I mean, I just speak what I think. And I'm Kamala Harris. This is not a, uh, you know, a uh, Republican or Democrat. I just thought her answers were horrible. I I thought her answers were absolutely horrible. Thank you, Ted. And I love that you called in and I hope you call again because I'm happy to talk about it. By the way, I've even said I did not like when I saw what was going on on January 6th, the people that crossed the line. I think there were a lot of good people that went on January 6th that were there because, you know, they supported President Trump. They had personal feelings. There were others that obviously crossed the line that had been charged with assaulting officers and things like that. That I think is abhorrent. You know, so I, so I'm not one of those people who's, who's, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you extreme, you know, just one way. I'm, I think, a practical, common sense American. And that's the kind of people that I love to hear on the show. And I love your call, Teddy. And I hope you call again. I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to LQ in the Bronx. Go ahead, LQ. Yeah. Um, blessings to all, especially to, um, to Giuliani, uh, Giuliani family and their new addition. Uh, That's right. That's right. To, <laughs> yep. to um, the reporter, Greg Melvin, for doing his job and um, had the courage to repeat the question, which he should, was dodging. Obviously, that uh, interview was not, um, you know, rehearsed and so forth. Like they want somebody, you know, you know the, 
questions and so forth, and he's going to get flack on that. You could guarantee you. Well, and you know, you know, you know what's interesting, LQ, and I listen to the questions. You know, MSNBC typically is not very tough on Biden. You know, comparative to like the way they treated Trump, contrary to what Teddy thinks. Um, but they, I will say that I thought Craig Melvin asked fair questions, and she looked like she was like ill prepared. Like, why is someone asking me these questions? Like, almost surprised that people were asking, like she was getting a tough question from MSNBC almost. And if she thinks those are tough questions, that's like, you know, that's a, a cakewalk compared to some of the questions that I would have loved to have asked her. <laughs> you know, can you imagine LQ? I would be like, okay, let's go back at what you said on February 12th. She would, her head would have been spinning like Sybil, you know? Mm-hmm. So how did you, what grade would you give her LQ? <laughs> I'll let you grade her. You be the teacher, my friend. What would you grade her? <laughs> she would have got an F for, for ignoring the question. For a, a judge and a persecutor, that was ridiculous response. It was. It was pathetic. You know, I'd give her an A for dodging and an F for substance, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Thank you very much, LQ. Um, when we come back, everybody, an honor of Teddy. We are going to talk about Donald Trump because guess what? Teddy brought up McConnell and Lindsey Graham and all of those. Um, Kamala Harris was talking about her future at 2024 dodging and weaving. Well, Lindsey Graham thinks that Donald Trump will be the candidate in 2024. And he basically said to the Republican Party, you better get with Trump or else you're going to be in trouble. Very tough language from Lindsey Graham. And he also said that he believes that Donald Trump is the most consequential Republican president since Reagan. What do you think of that? And, Teddy, I can't wait to hear what you think about that one. 1-800-848-9222. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a beautiful story coming out of Wyoming where Korean War veterans and their families were honored during a ceremony at a local American Legion Hall. Now, the veterans and their families received the Republic of Korea Ambassador for Peace Medal in recognition for their service and sacrifice during the Korean War. The Peace Medal is an expression of appreciation from the Korean government for the United United States veterans and those who served the U.S. peacekeeping mission in the early 1950s. The armed conflict in Korea, which began in June 1950 and ended in July 1953, claimed the lives of millions of Korean soldiers and civilians on both sides, hundreds of thousands of Chinese soldiers also, and nearly 40,000 U.S. soldiers. The 68th anniversary of the armistice agreement that ended the fighting on the Korean Peninsula was celebrated on July 27, 2021. And beautiful to see them recognize our great warriors. Well, we are talking about 2024 because everybody's already talking about it. First, Kamala Harris, we were talking about, was questioned about, is she going to be on the ticket in 2024? It was like, ah, duh, I'm not sure. Um, Hillary Clinton, we know her name has been bandied about. 
Well, if you listen to Lindy, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, who's very close to President Trump, take a listen to what he said last night on Hannity on Fox News. I like Senator McConnell. He worked well with President Trump to get a bunch of judges, including three three Supreme Court justices on the bench. They got the tax cuts passed working together. But here's the question. Can Senator McConnell effectively work with the leader of the Republican Party, Donald Trump? I'm not going to vote for anybody that can't have a working relationship with President Trump to be a team, to come up with an American first agenda, to show the difference between us and liberal Democrats, prosecute the case for Trump policies. And I'm not going to vote for anybody for leader of the Senate as a Republican unless they can prove to me that they can advocate an American first agenda and have a working relationship with President Trump. Because if you can't do that, you will fail. So is Lindsey Graham maybe seeing, Okay, well, maybe President Trump runs. Maybe I could do something, maybe in a leadership position in the Senate or maybe even in the cabinet. Who knows? You know, there's a lot of things out there. You never know. He's a JAG guy, uh, you know, a military guy. There's a lot of interesting things in the background. Maybe leader, you know, in the Senate. Who knows? He basically said, you better get along with Trump because he's the guy who's going to be leading the ticket. Take a listen. Here's a little bit more. You don't have to agree with everything President Trump does or says. I don't. But you got to have a working relationship because our party will not uh, do as well as we could or should if we don't have a team approach from 2022 to 2024 where the House and the Senate Republicans are working with uh, an American first agenda, agenda led by President Trump. So it's really common sense what I'm saying. And maybe that relationship can be repaired. I hope so. And if not, see ya, Mitch McConnell, basically, was the message from Lindsey Graham, who, by the way, knows Donald Trump super well. They golf all the time together. They're very, very close. He talks to him a lot. He goes to Mar-a-Lago. We had Trump on the show, and Trump definitely sounded. Remember, he said, Rita, I think your audience is going to be very, very happy. You know, this is where I'm going. What do you think? I mean, it sounded like he didn't say yes, but he sure sounded like he was like an inch away from dipping his foot into the ocean. So who knows? It actually could be a Trump Hillary Clinton or a Trump sleepy Joe Biden. Who knows? But here is Lindsey Graham. He basically said that Donald Trump, whether you like him or not, has been one of the most consequential presidents in American history. And that has been the most consequential GOP president since Ronald Reagan. Take a listen. I'm not Dr. Phil. You know, it's my job. It's not my job to fix every problem that we have, nor is it any other senator's job. I'm making an observation. If you don't understand what I'm saying, I think you're missing the point on the Republican side. You don't have to agree with Trump. What he did in Syria, I didn't like it. I've had my differences with President Trump, but I appreciate what he did. And the media tries to divide us all the time. January 6th was a dark day in American history, but it wasn't Pearl Harbor. It's not 9-11. And that's all they got to talk about. So to my Republican colleagues, let's spend our time growing the party and realize that President Trump uh, is the most consequential Republican in the country since Ronald Reagan and see if we can work together. Whether or not they can repair the relationship is up to them, not me. I hope so. Very interesting. And listen, it is an important message because you can see already what's happening on the Democratic side with them splintering on trying to get their packages through. If the Republicans do not align 
against a single candidate or at least have a coherent, cohesive message, they are going to be in trouble if they splinter all over the place. And remember, McConnell was very, very critical at certain times of Donald Trump. A number of things that he has been critical of. They haven't always seen eye to eye, that's for sure. And Lindsey Graham basically says, you know, McConnell, you better get in line because this is the guy who's going to lead the party and going to lead the ticket in 2024. In fact, take a listen to this exchange where he basically reinforces that message. I think he's going to run. If there's any doubt, I think it will be it will go away fairly soon here. Just what do you stay mean tuned. you think? What do you mean you think? You wouldn't be saying this unless you've spoken I think with he's him. What has he run. told you? I think he's going to run. I'll let him speak for himself, but you'd have to be deaf, dumb, and blind not to see what's going on around here. The guy's got $100 million in the bank. Uh, he has wide support of the Republican Party, and a lot of people believe that the American First Agenda was good for the party, good for the country. So I expect him to run. And to my Republican colleagues, I will do my best to try to help President Trump stay focused on messages good for us all, but this is a two-way street. I think that's really interesting. And again, this is one of the members of Congress who is so close to President Trump. Do you think that according to Lindsey Graham, he is going to run in 2024? I would say 99% he is going to run. I think he's probably waiting to see what happens with the House and what happens with the Senate. But who else on the Republican side right now can really take it to the Democrats And you also look at just even some of the vitriol that we heard this week from President Joe Biden, basically saying you're either with us or you're Bull Connor. You're either with us or you're George Wallace. You're either with us or you're the KKK about voting rights. I mean, they are getting really nasty. And clearly, if you look at some of the voting reform bills, it's just adding identification. It's adding, I think, voter integrity on a lot of levels. I think it is so far off in their analogies. But their vitriol is really horrible, and they're getting really, really down. And so if you're going to do that, you need to have someone who's going to fight against whether it's a Joe Biden or a Hillary Clinton or a Stacey Abrams or whoever is in the mix or a Kamala Harris. So do you think that Donald Trump, according to Lindsey Graham, is the guy to beat and that Republicans better get their butts together and better get behind him? Or they're going to lose. Is he the only guy who can kind of take it and take it to, you know, and really go, hey, wait a minute, what's going on with critical race theory? Hey, what's going on, you know, with, you know, with the border? Hey, what's going on with this craziness in these comments? I mean, after all the things that we heard from Joe Biden this week, I think people can handle a nasty tweet. You know, I mean, give me a break. Anytime that Joe Biden now goes after Trump for any of his vitriol, All he has to do is go back and play that voting rights speech that he did in Atlanta. And I would say anything that Biden says is null and void because I thought it was so despicable and so smearing. What are your thoughts? Do you think that it is going to be Trump in 2024? I think right now he is really the guy to beat. I really do. I think on the Republican side, I agree with Lindsey Graham. I think he's the person who can galvanize the party. I mean, look at all these rallies. He's got another one coming up. You know, who else is turning out on the Republican side that kind of huge crowd? When Biden goes out, he has like three or four people. And I don't even know if he realizes he's talking to a crowd. 
It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Karen in Rockland. Go ahead, Karen. Your thoughts about all this. Oh, hi. How are you? <laughs> yeah, what do you I make of Lindsey Graham? Gonna... What did you think of Lindsey Graham, Karen, basically I saying? I one comment about I'm glad that he spoke out against Biden's speech the other day. Um, I agree with Lindsey Graham. Did you, are you familiar with that program, Dirty Jobs? Yeah, sure, with, with Mike, Mike Rowe. Rowe. Yep. Well, Donald Trump should be the MC on that one because he had the dirtiest job the last four years trying to get rid of the swamp in Washington. And and, and by would... the and it and it's going to be ugly. By the way, sadly, you know, and I listen. I like I don't like things to be so divided in the country. I, I wish there was no, more unity, either. but but. They have really, I think, sunk to a new low with some of the rhetoric that we heard this week. And I, mean, I think, calling. I mean, oh, you know, horrible. When I was a teacher. I always tried to get the kids not to call names. I said, you know, you got to learn to respect the person. If you don't like them, then stay away from them. But you don't name call. And I mean, that's all we see in Washington. It's disgusting, really. I mean, it's such a bad role model for uh, for children and for everybody. It is. It is. But you know what? If that's what's coming. Um, and clearly it is because they'll do anything to win and say anything, you know. Um, and if that's what's coming, then the Republicans have to, A, be fair. They can't be, right. you know, uh, eating their young, eating their own, you know, eating their own up. Um, they can't be fighting and bickering. And they have to also take it to them. you got to have somebody who says, hey, wait a minute, calling out the hypocrisies that a lot of us see. I think Hillary Clinton, I mean, she should be in jail. That she's even considering running for president? Yeah, I think, you know, what it also shows is how bad Biden is doing in the polls. I mean, he is just doing so oh, horrible. Terrible. It's amazing. Karen, a, uh, thank you. Love your calls, Karen. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to John in Albany, New York, who's listening on Alexa. Go ahead, John. Um, Rita, I'm legally blind, and I go to treatment for my kidney failure. Trump said I bought it from for my past two years. He is going to run again. He is going to win. And the reason why is he said if you're going to give these people kidneys, but you're not going to pay for the medicine that will keep them alive, what are we doing wrong here? Wow. Bravo. That, uh, you know, I did not. I've heard a lot of his policies. I was not aware that he said that. And that's yep. important. You know, that's there's real. One, there's one uh, medicine that you have to take for the rest of your life. If you get a kidney, it's $1,000 a month. Wow. And he has said push for that. Well, that's a, that's an important policy. And and John, thank you. You're amazing. Really amazing. I'm so glad that you called in. Thank you. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Jimmy, your thoughts about all of this. Uh, is Trump the guy to beat? Is he uh, and is he uh, the best GOP leader since Reagan? I think so. I was originally a Cruz supporter. I never even thought of Trump as being a political guy. But when he came in, I tell you, he performed miracles. There's nobody I respect more than Trump any time in our history. He came in, we're, we are in severe trouble, and I think Trump has a better grasp of it than everybody else. And I agree with you on Kamala. She's a total ditz. Her and Biden are equal, equally dumb. One has a brain, I think, physical brain damage. The other one just is ignorant. And this is a crucial time in American history when all of America's enemies are strong. You know what America's enemies are? Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, radical Islam, the drug cartels, the KGB mafias, the Democrats, the media, the unions, the professors, the deep state, state and the tax-exempt foundations. 
It's globalist, communist, various shades of Marx. It's a world movement. Trump parachuted in the middle of this war and held them back. And they're furious. This is why they're attacking him. Now, they're attacking Trump, but they're attacking Trump for what he stands for. It's not just Trump personally. They hate what he stands for. Yeah, they America hate and first. they hate somebody who throws it back at them. And exactly. and by the way, you know, anybody who said, oh, God, I didn't like those tweets or I didn't like. I mean, what I heard from President Biden this week was just absolutely disgusting. And there were some times where I saw like a Trump tweet that I didn't like what he said or, or made a comment or whatever. But but. I never remember where he basically said, you know, you're a racist if you don't agree with me. And and Biden almost didn't even dance around it. I mean, it was so disgusting. And, you know, even Mitch McConnell, who rarely takes a swipe, said it was unbecoming of a president. And they're friends. So I thought that was really, really, really telling. Remember, Biden was put in office by a communist front group, Council for a Livable World. You know what, Rita? Check out the Institute for Policy Studies. That's a tax-exempt KGB front group in Washington. They make policy. They train congressional, Senate, and staffers. I mentioned this to uh, Mark Levin the other day on the radio. While I was on the phone on the radio with him, he looked it up and started reading the background of the Institute for Policy Studies. One of the founders of that is Marcus Raskin, the father of Congressman Raskin. Wow, wow, wow. No, I know who you're you're talking about. Very interesting. Hey, Jimmy, thank you very much. Love your call. Thank you. Um, Stan from Forest Hills. Go ahead, Stan, real quick. Your thoughts, Stan. Real quick, huh? Real quick. Teddy, you're a great guy. Welcome to ABC, baby. I'm not alone anymore. <laughs> hey, Stan. Tell Stan, the truth. She don't get it. Stan by world. the way, I thought of you when Teddy called in. No, I had a feeling hey, you I'm were out alone, there. Thank <laughs> God. I was always in the desert here, but now there's a guy I see <laughs> You got but, two of you in the well, desert. Thank Kevin for Teddy. That's, that's a group. Teddy, we love you. I love you. Anyway. <laughs> and I love both of you. All right. Here it is. You ready? First sure. of all, the the illegal son of Joe McCarthy just called. The communists are all over in his house, in his pants, in, in the air. Give me a break <laughs> with that loser. Oh, man. Oh, Stan, 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 but, Stan, come on. He's talking about all these crazy, man, the, the critical communist. race theory and all that oh, stuff. Please. Come on. I'm not, hey, I was not for race theory, okay? But as Good. far as Trump is concerned, I have no doubt that he's going to win. But Lindsey Graham. Kisses the rear end of Trump like never before and cleans his boots. You could tell. He, 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 he kneels to this guy. I mean, one that will come a day when he turns him in and turns on him as he turned on Vice President Pence and others. So, so let, now let me, let me go back to what you just said sort of under your breath there, Stan. Did say that you believe Trump will win. No, I didn't say that. I think he'll run. You think know. he'll run. That's hey, why I was asking. I couldn't hear the whole thing. Hey, That's why I wanted to make sure. No, no. He, hey, look, ex-President Trump is running. You call him president, ex-President Trump. No, I call, I every, I call, I call like every president president. I say President no, Carter. I, I say, you know, ex-President Bush, ex-President Obama, ex-President Trump. But here's the point. I think he will run. I'm not going to deny that. But this ain't over yet. This, the administration has a long way to go. Okay. Oh, my God, boy. The, in a debate, I'll take Joe over him. Five to one, okay? Joe won't even, Stan, 
Joe won't even know that he's on the debate floor. You, they're gonna they're gonna have to tell him. Though? They'll have to juice him up with steroids, like so they, they basically did to, last time. They'll have to slip in some money to Trump's pocket because that's the only way he'll get up there. Anyway, we know what he is. Oh, listen, I think I think Trump would clean Joe's he clock. He didn't do it the first time. I Joe think cleaned his clock. Uh, I didn't think so. You know, I, I, I by the way, by the way, where I will say, hey, Stan, Stan, where I will say, I will say to you that I did think. That Joe rose to the occasion during some of those debates. He did much better than I expected because he seemed to be. But I feel like just watching Joe Biden and being honest, Stan, even from and by the way, a couple of years ago, prior to him running for president, he was a real fighter on the debate stage. I will give him he's always been yeah, a great debater. Course. By the okay. way, I'm talking about Joe Biden. He's always been a great debater. But I, I feel like the Joe Biden today I don't think has the stamina. I don't think he has the focus. I th- I mean, he has deteriorated, I think, sadly, a lot over the years. And I don't think he's the fighter, you know, half the fighter uh, that he was, even in the last debates. And I think one-tenth of the fighter that he was, uh, you know, 10 years ago. I- I've met him many times. I see a man who has deteriorated, and I think it's sad. Stan, I love you. Thank you for the call. And when we come back, everybody, Dominic Carter is on deck to give us a preview of his great show. And after Dom is the other side of midnight. And lots of great guests with Frank Morano, including Judge Andrew Napolitano. Also, we've got Joseph Ganascoli from The Sopranos and my buddy Marlena Schiavo. And by the way, everybody, I've got to let you know that you have to check out the new WABC Rita Cosby merchandise. We just put it up on the 77 WABC store, so you have to go right now to the WABC Radio store. Go to WABCRadio.com, WABCRadioStore.com, actually. You will find everything from T-shirts to hats to jackets to bags. I want a Rita Cosby evening gown. That's what I want. I think we need, like, an evening gown, maybe a Rita Cosby car. Maybe we can call Elon Musk, see if he can give us a Rita Cosby Tesla. We're working on it. But in the meantime, we've got T-shirts, jackets, bags, so much more. And if you type in the code Rita, you will get 15% off of your purchase. So Stan and Teddy, I know you're going to buy it up. Go to WABCRadioStore.com, and I'll be back right after the break. Rita Cosby is on 77 WABC. Dominic Carter is still the one. <laughs> Dominic Carter, what do you have on deck tonight, my friend? I know you're going to have another great show. Well, good evening to you, Rita, and I love your music, and you had a great show tonight. And Stan did say, whether it was a Freudian slip or not, he did say you were correct that Trump will win. Yeah, now I he, and want, did you, I was going to say, and then he said run, and I went right. run. No, 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 yep. no, no. By the he way, did you Trump hear Stan? Stan win. is happy that he said he's no longer in the desert because Teddy and Stan called tonight. So the two of them can have a nice little powwow. <laughs> hey, some, some great news uh, coming up in just a, a few uh, seconds here, Rita, a few minutes. According to the family of 19-year-old Crystal Bayron uh, Nieves, the Burger King cashier, 
killed uh, during the uh, robbery. The NYPD, according to her family, has made an arrest in Brooklyn tonight. Oh, thank goodness. We, we don't have the full details as of yet, but an arrest has been made. And I, I, I made the prediction that the world's greatest police force would do so very soon. And my bet is always, on, as I know yours is, Rita, on the NYPD. They get the job done once once they're not fighting with one hand uh, behind their back and a blindfolder on and so on. And so we're going to discuss that. We're going to discuss uh, the latest as it relates to covid and uh, the actions of the uh, Supreme Court. And our politics are so partisan these days, so partisan these days, that, and, and maybe the RNC has merit on their side. The RNC, as you know, is threatening to block future GOP presidential nominees from taking part in general election debates. So, so Rita, we, we only got 30 seconds left here, but do you believe they have merit? Be straight with me here. Yeah, I do. Because if you okay. look at a number of the people, I mean, I hate the idea that they wouldn't, hopefully they'll still be forced to do some debates. They have to, I think, candidates. But I do feel that a number of people on the board are very far left and they clearly had you know, clearly in opposition to the Republican candidates. But but I still hope that the debates come because that's how we get the answers. You know, you and I both love the debates um, and it's part of the process. So I hope they still happen, but maybe with a little more balance to them. And speaking of balance, Dominic Carter coming up in just a few seconds, everybody. Good luck, Stan. Good luck, Teddy. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.